Welcome to the City Hill Podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So we start this series, I'm just going to give you a heads up of kind of how it's going to pan out over the weeks that are coming ahead. Uh, today we're going to be looking at, in the book of Kings, we're going to be looking at rushing rain. So I'm going to give you a heads up so you can Google these, you can do your little sneak around the Bible and get a feel for yourself as well before we tuck in. This week is rushing rain. Uh, the week after that, we're going to be looking at the rushing stream. And then the week after that, Jamin is going to lead us in a time of prayer, a prayer Sunday, but it's the rushing wind. And the reason for that is today isn't really the Jubilee Sunday about the Queen. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is a landmark moment celebrating Pentecost, which is 50 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus. 50 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind. We're not going to start with that for our, our series We're going to dedicate the entire month. So we're not dedicating just a Sunday to Pentecost. We're dedicating the entire month towards that. Today is about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, coming, laying down his life, taking it up again and sending a helper, sending Holy Spirit to come and live within us, to fill us and completely transform the way that we live. The goal of this series and for today is we're going to look at the rushing rain, which we find In 1 Kings, it goes through a couple of chapters. I'm going to breeze through them. A couple of bits we've already touched on in the previous months. We're looking at 1 Kings 16, 17 and 18. So I'm going to give us a little brief stop tour. So Elijah isn't actually a prophet that you hear about. You don't hear about him until this one landmark moment. The landmark moment is a moment, a trigger in the Bible that I talked about a little while ago where I talked about Ahab. I talked about in a short passage in chapter 16, it talks about him being the worst of all the kings, that he led the people away from God more than any other king. He was such a bad king. He brought in two new temples. He did it for political reasons. Because the kingdom was divided, he didn't want his people traveling down to Jerusalem. So instead of having security in his position that God had given him, instead of having security in the way that God had said that he had divided the two kingdoms, which means if God's divided them, he's given you this kingdom. It's not being taken away from you until God decides to reunite them. So he doesn't trust in that. Instead, he's got um, a wife that he he shouldn't have had, um, Jezebel, um, who is not a good woman. She doesn't believe in the Lord and she has her own gods. And he ends up bringing those gods in and creating temples for them. Two temples he builds to foreign gods. In, in, in Israel and he leads the people massively massively away and that's when Elijah appears now Elijah appears and straight away he makes an unbelievable announcement he, he doesn't come with any other message there's no other build up to this other than this king has ruined the nation so badly led people to idolatry that their hearts are no longer towards the Lord but their hearts are so far from him and when Elijah turns up he makes an absolute unbelievable declaration he says there will be no rain not even dew on the grass for three years and not just three years it's not just the three years passes and then it all moves on he says for three years and until I say so until I say so. From that moment, that's exactly what happens. There is no rain, there is no moisture on the grass, on the ground. This has huge ramifications. Like forget the cost of living crisis, forget inflation. Cattle are going to die, people are going to die, 
starvation is going to hit the lands. You cannot have a country like Israel in the place it is in the world, in the temperature and the climate it's based, lose rain for three years. People are going to die on a huge level. This is a massive, massive issue. Elijah is then guided by the Lord to travel away. He's provided for supernaturally by ravens and the Lord meets him and sustains him. But then the stream where he's at dries up. God sends him away to a widow, to the widow and then through him, her house has provision the entire way, supernaturally, miraculously through it. I think it's interesting because God gives us a close-up of the individual ramifications of what a drought brings. And then he shows us how God is able to supernaturally keep her through a drought. God is able to supernaturally keep you and I through a drought through the situations we find ourselves in. The widow loses her son and he dies due to sickness. But Elijah pleads with God and God resurrects him. Then when this all comes to pass and it comes towards a closing period, it's three years has passed. Then it's time for Elijah to go to call out and send for the prophets of Baal. They come and they bring their offering. 500 prophets, I think it is, all crying out. They're, they're hurting themselves. They're cutting and doing all sorts of weird things that they did in their worship, crying out to their God. Elijah stands there. And um, I mean, Elijah has amazing banter. He says, is your God on the toilet? Has he gone to the shops? He can't really hear you guys. But then he does something which I think is just absolutely unbelievable. He takes the altar that he has his, um, his sacrifice on. He digs a trench around it, a trench. And then he pours on tons of water. I mean, it's a huge amount of water to the point where everything is dripping wet and the trench around it is completely full. And this for me, I've always heard, I don't know about you, the same message on, the, on this all the time. It's always about making it more difficult for the sacrifice to catch light because it's covered in water, right? I want to I wanna, I wanna say something else that God's been really challenging me about. And I think it's mainly because of my dad, I guess. Um, this week, I was taking my dad to the hospital and all sorts of stuff. And it's not all sorted yet. And all this stuff's going on, hanging in the air. And so my dad's going to hospital and it looks like something really serious is happening. And while I'm walking my dad to an appointment, my dad's going to me, are you tithing, son? And I'm like, dad, at the moment, you know, I've been struggling to keep my house, dad. It's not really been like that. I've been giving, but I'm not doing that. My dad just shakes his head and goes, that's not right, son. And then I start reading this passage and it's been really difficult for me. Because when I read this passage, I'm not going to God and I'm going, God, like, I've got inflation, God, I've got, like, the cost of living, it's only me working at the moment, like, things are really hard, this, that, and the other, uh, and I'm, I'm talking to God about all these different things, and then I look at this one story, and I forget the widow and her generosity, but this moment with Elijah is a mad moment, because he is taking the most precious commodity in the world at that moment, water, and he is dousing it on this offering. And that started to really mess me up because I'm like, three years have passed, people have died and this man is exuberantly pouring water all over this sacrifice. And God just started really convicting me and speaking to me about myself and my attitude towards who he is. I'm sharing that this morning because that's what he's challenging me on. And I want to challenge you this morning, not necessarily in that way, but in this way. What is the exuberant thing you're going to lavish on the altar? Whatever it is that he challenges you about, Step out and do it. He pours on the most expensive thing. It's worth more than Bitcoin. It's worth more than any gold, any diamonds in that moment. People would have fought and killed others to get a hold of this water. And he pours it on. And then he calls down fire from the heaven. And the Lord, it says his fire laps up the water. 
So the water, which would have been critical for people's survival in that moment, is lapped up. And it's then in this moment when this comes to an end, he then turns and he says, you see the Lord is God. Now you've got to kill the prophets of Baal. And they kill all the prophets of Baal because they see who God is. And then at that moment, when the prophets of Baal are dead and this false worship is no longer going to take place in their nation and the hearts of the people have turned back to God, that is the moment when Elijah turns to King Ahab and he says, go eat and drink. I hear the sound of rushing rain. And then he goes up to the top of Mount Carmel and he sends his side man and he goes, listen, head down in his knees. He's not looking. He's not the one looking for the rain. His head is down between his knees and he goes, go and see if there's rain. And he goes seven times and no, there's nothing. No, there's nothing. And every time Elijah just says him, go check. And then he says, I see a cloud the size of a fist, a cloud the size of the fist. And then he says, you go and speak to Ahab and tell him, get in your chariot fast because the rushing rain is coming and you will not be able to get ahead of it. Your chariot's going to get stuck in the mud. That's how heavy this rain is going to be in this outpouring. Now, what happened? You see, God said there will be three years, but he said, not until I say so. Now, what was the trigger moment for the three years? The trigger moment for the three years was that idolatry was looked at and was killed. It was killed. Now, my message this morning isn't long, it isn't complicated, and it's really, really simple. Is that each one of us for this series today starts a process of looking out and hearing the sound of the rushing rain that's going to come. But none of it's going to come your way if you and I don't address the idolatry in our hearts. For some of us, it'll be a case of, we don't know what the sound of rain's like anymore. For some of us, spiritually, we've become so dry that it's almost like there's been no fresh dew on the ground. For some of us, it'll be like, we can talk about yesteryear and times of feeling God's presence and the spirit moving in our lives and being alive to it. For some of us, it's looking back. But this moment, Elijah was risen to turn the hearts. And this Sunday, I believe, was a Sunday where we start to hear in our ears the sound of rushing rain. That over the weeks ahead, as we move through this series, as we get to the the rushing stream, as we get to the rushing wind, I believe this week is a week where God wants to speak each one of us to our own heart and he wants to call out the idolatry in our hearts. He wants to call out the idolatry in our lives. The things in our lives that we know should not be alive in us. The things that we know, they creep in. This nation, it came in slyly. It was convenience. It was politicized spirituality. It was these other things. In our nation, there is politicized spirituality. There are types of Christianity that is acceptable in our society and types that are not. There are things in our society where it's like, well, you should be a part of this. You should have this in your life. You should not have this. If you don't have those things in your life, you're considered a madman or a madwoman, that you're a bit nuts. But I believe that God wants to pour out the rushing rain on our lives. And I want to come with a message that says that maybe if things are drought and dry and desert in our lives, it's definitely not God. And that he wants to call out the idolatry. He wants it to die today. He wants us to make a decision that we're going to kill the prophets of Baal in our lives. And that as we do that, he wants you to know, start to hear the sound of the rushing rain because it is going to overcome you, it is going ahead of you, and it is going to absolutely flourish, and there's going to be newness of growth. There is going to be newness and a freshness and a powerful outpouring of His Spirit over this month. But none of it will happen in your life or my life 
if we do not lay down and kill the idols. So today is about killing idols in our lives. I'm going to start to pray for us. And as we pray, I'm going to ask God to convict each one of us by the power of the Holy Spirit to see the thing in our life right now that has to die. And that we would start to take steps to killing it and slaying it. Because we'll never get to the narrow stream that's coming next week, the rushing stream. It won't happen if we don't kill idols this week. When we get to Jamelia's week and the rushing wind is flowing through this place and the Spirit of God is moving and pouring out in your life, you won't get any of it if you don't kill the idol today. If you don't start making decisions that this has to die today. This in me, I know it's been a problem for a long time. It has to die today. If you don't make that decision and start stepping into that, you won't hear the sound of the rushing wind. You won't see the power in the rushing stream. And certainly when the rushing wind comes, you're not going to be ready to receive what it is that God has for us. I'm going to start to pray for us today. And that will be, that will be it. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you are a generous, loving, gracious God. Father, maybe in areas of our lives, we have gone spiritually dry. We haven't even noticed. It's been a few years. It's all dried up a little bit. It's not like it used to be. We don't know you in the way that we used to know you. We don't see, experience the power that we used to experience. Things have just gone a bit dry. We never intended to find ourselves in an idolatrous place where we don't worship you, but we worship another. But God, it's happened. And here we are today, and we just want to acknowledge again, Lord God, send your fire upon us, Lord. Consume up all that is within us that isn't of you that you don't want. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and convict us so strongly about the particular area in our life, not the person next to us, our life, that has to die today. Has to die today. That we can start to flow in that power again. Oh God, I want to hear the sound of the rushing rain. I want to hear it. I I don't need to see it. I just want to hear it. I want to be like Elijah with my head between my knees going, I can hear the sound of the rushing rain. Father God, I pray this week, maybe it won't be the first time we go to sea. Maybe it won't be the second time we go to sea. Maybe it won't be the third. But the seventh time when we go to sea, we will see what? The answer will come our way? No, but we'll see a cloud. We'll see a small sign. But soon the clouds turn to the darkest grey and the rain came falling. Would your spirit come falling upon our lives this week as we slay all of the idolatry within us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london.